Hey everybody, my name is Zach from the band Alive City, and I'm stoked to be on the Let God Die podcast today, hosted by some of my awesome friends. Thank you guys so much for having me on the show. So uh, we just released our first single in about two years, and the song is called Say. Now, uh, with this song, we um, with the, actually with the entire EP, we were able to work with um, some amazing, amazing production people. Uh, we worked with a company in Australia for mixing and some people out in Paris, France for mastering. So it's been really cool to have like an international presence on the album. Like I said, the first single is called Say. And for me, it's a song of freedom. The freedom that we have from our relationship with Christ is so real. It's so alive. It's so vibrant. That is not something that we want to hold in and just keep to ourselves. That's how good this freedom is. When we say, I'll be myself now, that just talks about having having that freedom in Christ that makes you want to be bold. I want to tell people. I want to tell people why I have such joy, why I have, why I, why I have such passion in my life. And that's because of what God's done in my heart. It's on Spotify, it's on iTunes, it's on YouTube if you want to like look it up. So you can find our music video up there. Uh, you can search at Alive City Band for uh, all our social media. You'll find us on there. And the whole sound is very poppy. It's really fun. Um, and the reason that we made it like that is uh, it's because we want it to be really universal and we want it to be easy for people to, uh, to go out and show their friends, to show someone that's hurting, and just uh, so that we can be a positive influence in someone's life. Because Alive City is a worship movement. Alive City is a worship band. We want to lead people into worship. But we also, uh, we want to be a band that, that a kid can, uh, can give to their friend that they know is struggling. We want to be really accessible as a band. So it's really fun. It's really upbeat. Like I said, again, check out the, uh, the music video on YouTube.com. And I'm excited for you guys to hear the song on Let God Die podcast. So here's Say. I threw my heart up on the line. I said no more wasting my time Whoa-oh-oh-oh I said I love you You know that's true I trust you cause you know me best You are my peace, you are my rest whoa oh
before we get into today's podcast, I just wanted to remind you that we are still doing a book giveaway. We're giving away two copies of Jody McAllister Humble's book, Counting It Joy. It's a very real and heavy book delving into the goodness of God despite tragedy, and I would love to get it into your hands. All you have to do to enter the contest is share your favorite episode of the podcast so far on Facebook. Hop on over to LetGodDie.com. All of the episodes are right there on the homepage. And if you'd like to keep up with what we're doing, you can hop on over to the contact page and sign up for our email mailing list. All right, this is the Let God Die podcast. This is Josh. And this is Calvin. And today our guest is Rebecca. I don't know your last name, Rebecca. Pedrosa. Rebecca Pedrosa. Um, our friend Nathan Moe told me about you and uh, just shared a little bit about what you do as far as ministry in D.C. and um, yeah. a little bit about what landed you in America in the first place. Um, and for whatever reason, I just felt like I think it would be cool to hear your story, um, to hear your heart. Um, just felt like it would be a pretty cool thing like to hear about the unique ministry that God's placed on your heart. So who who are you? Where, where do you come from? And uh, what do you do now in D.C.? Well, I am Rebecca. <laughs> and then um in Portuguese my name is said actually Hebeca. Um I am from Brazil and uh a city called Recife or Recife if you read it with American alphabet. Yeah, now right now I'm living in Washington DC working with the ministry. I'm a staffer uh, at David's Tent DC. Um and David's Tent it's a tent on the National Mall, in the middle of the National Mall in Washington, D.C. It's right beside the World War, II, World War II Memorial and in front of the monument, the Washington Monument. Right now, it's completely completely fenced around because of the inauguration. Um, yeah. And David said is a 24-7 worship tent where we've been doing it for almost 16 months now. Oh, wow. Um, I haven't been staffing for 16 months, but Davidson has been there for 16 months, almost nonstop with continuous love song to Jesus. Uh, I am currently on the half night, half morning watch. It's I work eight hours a day at the tent, uh, leading worship and staffing the tent, you know, maintenance and stuff. I'm a worship leader. I, I mean, I became a worship leader. That's that's part of my story. I was not a worship leader. I didn't know how to play any instruments, but now I do. And just and... like since being involved with David's tent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I started playing in August when I arrived. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah, and now I wow. lead sets of two hours. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. T- tell us a little bit more about David's tent. Like, who started it, and kind of what is the purpose and the mission of it, and why DC. Well, YDC, yeah. So uh, our director, his name is Jason Hershey, um, like the chocolate, and he is—he uh, is a visionary, such a visionary. He has a pioneer's heart, um, and the Lord impressed in his heart years ago. Washington D.C. He has such a passion for Washington D.C. and the calling was to have a house of prayer, twenty-four-seven house of prayer in the nation's capital. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Youth with a Mission, YWAM. Yeah. He is the director of YWAM Washington, D.C. Okay. And David Stent was birthed out of YWAM, D.C. It started with an event. It was an event every year ever since 2012. Started with a 30-day event. They got the permit in the, with, the National, uh, with the Park Service. And for 30 days with a tent in the White House ellipse. Like right in front of the White House and right before beside the, the Secret Service. Um, and it was 24-7 for 30 days, David said. And then they repeated the additions and they started getting longer. They were like, okay, let's do it for 40 days. Let's do it for 50 days. And then in 2015, they were like, let's do it for 14 months. Wow. And so they started 9-11, 2014. Oh, sorry, 15, to be ended on 8 of November, the day of the elections, 2016. And the purpose is because Jesus is worthy. That's the first and most foremost. It's written everywhere in our core values and uh, in our rules and our everything. We do this first and foremost because Jesus is worthy. 
It's inspired in the model of David's tabernacle back in Chronicles, that second Chronicles, uh, where David did it for 33 years. He had his crazy worship times at this little tent where he had 300 and something, 400 and something musicians going on day and night, night and day, um, worshiping the Lord just because he's worthy of it. Um, David understood the worthiness of God. Uh, in his Psalms, he would say like how he will praise the Lord. And um, it's, that's the goal, the main goal. And why do you see... Um, well, Jason has a, had a passion for it, and the Lord commissioned him to do that in Washington, D.C. We believe, and we know it's biblical that the Lord is enthroned in our praises. So we are enthroning Jesus in, in a city where power is enthroned. Right now, the president is going to be inaugurated. And what Jason says, like, let's inaugurate Jesus, King yeah. Jesus. Uh, he's very, very passionate about um, the worthiness of Jesus. And we are very, very passionate about it. And so that's the first goal, then to throne Jesus in the midst of our praises in the national capital. We believe that changes atmosphere. We believe that that's much more of a uh, influential act than anything else to have a place where people can actually come whatever time of the day, whatever time of the week in the middle of the national mall um, to worship the Lord. It's also one of one of the goals, not the main, but it's amazing what you can see, what happens when people that are like just cruising around the national mall, just like going from monument to another, they come from all over the state and all over the world. Um, I have some crazy testimonies about it, but basically that's what David's tent is. <laughs> so 24 hour worship. Um, it, are there pretty much always people coming in and out? Um, and uh, are there certain times that like a lot of people are there? Is it usually smaller crowds? Like what has been the response typically? Well, after almost 16 months, I noticed that the seasons will kind of change the crowd. But because it's there all the time, we don't have, like, the past editions, they were, like, events. So it was, like, crowded every day. People would come every day. There would be worship leaders signing up from everywhere because it was such, like, a smaller thing. Now that it's longer, um, we don't have, like, a lot of people all the time. But definitely there's times, like, crazy random nights where we would have like this church that is doing like this whatever journey of prayer through Washington DC. They're like going around DC and 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 worshiping. And then and it was in the fall. So it was pretty cold. It was like 40 something degrees in the night and we still didn't have the heater going on. So we were staffing for eight hours at the tent in the cold of the night. And then we have these this 50 people at the tent like freezing but worshiping like nobody's business for the entire night for six hours they were there non-stop with us we were like leading them in worship like typically it's like because the word the word um the goal is to to have vertical worship it's not so much for people it's much like just for the lord so whoever is leading worship is leading worship onto the lord vertically we're not really entertaining so much if you know what i mean it's not so much for for the horizontal kind of thing, obviously it is, but it's not so much. So when we have that amount of people, we were like, we didn't even have to lead worship. We let we let them do it. We're like, just do your thing, people. And they were like, uh, doing that. So like, to answer your question, there will be times that we will have. We literally had a choir of 288 people coming to the tent, and there was like 100 people around the 288 people, or we will have just ed our homeless friend coming to the tent every night too because of the heater you know mm -hmm. you know so, <laughs> so you know <laughs> that's really cool i'm glad you said the whole like horizontal like rather than or vertical rather than horizontal <laughs> thing um so i mean you're saying more so like it's an expression for like you guys as worship leaders like we're gonna lift up the name of jesus yeah more, more so than like come on worship jesus with us um yeah more like you're providing that opportunity if it presents itself, but more than yeah. anything, you guys want to glorify Jesus. That's one thing that stands out to me. Um, like a lot with, with worship leaders is like, I, I go, go to some worship services where like, I'm like, man, that guy is worshiping right there. You know, like he's not leading us. Like he is worshiping and we are also <laughs> worshiping, you know, yeah. um, where there's like, 
almost a like thin line, but a huge difference between leading a congregation and trying yeah. to like focus on like getting the congregation to worship yeah. and just having a heart of worship yourself and yeah. people joining in that. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's something that I am long journey away from that still, like from being a worship leader. Um, I have some references in my life um, that worships 100% vertically. And because of that, they're leading a whole congregation yeah. in worship. And I know if you guys are familiar with Heidi Baker, um, I'm not. she is a, oh man, <laughs> she, she, you guys should look it up. Heidi Baker, she's, um, she has a ministry called Iris, Iris in Mozambique. And she's, um, she's one of the fruits of a revival kind of outpouring kind of thing in Toronto in 93. Well, the reason I'm mentioning her is because I went to a conference where she was there recently in Harrisburg. She just, just her, she goes up to speak. This is what she does normally. I was expecting her to do it because that's how that's how she is. She goes up to start speaking. She doesn't start speaking. She just kneels down and starts worshiping Jesus. And when you see her worshiping Jesus, you just want to know what is she seeing? Why is she loving him so much? I want to love that Jesus. I want to see that Jesus she's seeing. Like you literally don't even see her. You like I want to see that Jesus she's seeing. I want to worship him like she's doing because it looks like this is fulfilling the purpose of my very existence. So it, it, she is like one of my role models. She's not even a worshiper, honestly. She sings beautifully, but she's not per se a worshiper. Um, but, but she's a worshiper in spirit and truth. So that vertical adoration, like she doesn't even care whoever is looking at her. You can even, you can look at her. She, she's like careless, completely careless. She's like acting ridiculous in front of everybody. Just like looking at Jesus and weeping, just like, you're so beautiful, Jesus. And um, that kind of worship is just what I want. And that's what David sent once. Obviously, through music, we have like a standard of like having music on. It's kind of our it's kind of our thing. We want the music to go on. We're Levites. We want the music going on. Obviously, we don't restrict worship to that. But in at the tent is music and worship through music. Or we actually have ASL. Just we have American Sign Language worship going on at our tent as well, um, but mainly music. And yeah, that's the vertical adoration where, like I personally look up to, and I believe that kind of worship leads other people. And that happened at the tent quite a bit. People that are just there, like they take their shoes off and they just worship Jesus with so much love in their hearts that whoever comes at the tent, they're like, whoa, I want to worship too. Because it, it's, it's just so life fulfilling. <laughs> That's so rad. I feel like we've all, like, were created to worship. Like, and like you said, in spirit and in truth. It's kind of funny you even mentioned that, because we mentioned that in dudes group, like, just, two, like, yesterday, April yesterday. We're talking about that. We're, like, the truth of who God is, like, according to the word, like, should influence our emotions and how to respond to this God. Yeah. So, like, when it comes to that whole thing, it's right I guess wisdom and understanding, revelation of who God is, should ultimately bring a response of emotional like worship or desire or like freedom, I guess you can say, in his presence. Yeah. And then like, you know, you have to have like in having both, like you have like that spirit and truth where like it's both and it wells up together and it's like that wellspring that Jesus talks about. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So I I was I was gonna reference it, but I figured I'd butcher it, so I just looked it up. Um, <laughs> Donald Miller he wrote that uh that book Blue Like Jazz. He said sometimes you have to watch somebody love something before you can love it yourself. Um, it's as yeah. if they're showing you the way. Um, yeah. that always stuck with me. Where it's just like yeah, when I think of certain people in my life, just like seeing them love others has made me want to love others, and seeing yeah. them like really have a heart in pursuit of Jesus has made me be like, yeah, like he is that valuable. He is that worthy. I love the fact that you mentioned that the lady that you were talking about, that she's not like a worship leader. She's not in that position, I guess, yeah. but she's a worshiper from the heart. Like she's just yeah. mm -hmm. a simple Christian that loves her father 
Yeah. Like you don't have to be in a position or have a high behind an instrument in order to exercise like the gift that God has given you through Christ. Yeah. It is worship. Like that's our unity with the fathers through that. Yeah. That's, that's what this it is. What it is. I feel like if I start talking, I'll just like kind of deviate. That's <laughs> happening. <laughs> but yeah, worship, worship is all that, um, that uh, David sent is about because Jesus is worthy and, we want to portray that kind of worship. And uh, just by the way, we have, again, I think not to assume that everyone knows that, but we have like on our website, people can sign up to lead sets, like whoever wants. And oh. it's an interdenominational. So, which means we have had Mennonites, Orthodox, Catholics, Baptists, Presbyterians, Charismatic, you name it. You know, like we had a worship in Spanish and Chinese and Japanese and Korean. Wow. I worship in Portuguese awesome. a lot of times when I lead worship. I just do my my Portuguese little to add my and we we say like just add your voice to the song because it's a nonstop song uh, to the Lord. So yeah, everybody's so it's just so an opportunity like to be there and just watch just how people enthrone God differently. It's just amazing. <laughs> it's just awesome. You just get so many different perspectives on how to do it. You just get your mind blown. Like, I got my mind blown when I saw the first time when I saw uh, a, a person uh, leading worship in ASL, American Sign Language. It was so gnarly. It was so cool. I was like, man. That's an, incre- that's an incredible just, like, opportunity to see so many different expressions, you know? Like, I mean, how many of us just, like, go to the same denomination for our whole life? Um, I've, I've been, like, I've had the privilege of, like, going to a few different ones. Um but I mean, that's not something that I purposefully did, you know, it was yeah. just kind of like by, by circumstance, grew up Pentecostal, went to a non-denominational, um, because it really connected with me. And now I go to, it's called city Alliance. Um, cool. but, uh, but yeah, I don't know, like even, even now, like I love going to churches that are more traditional or less traditional and just kind of seeing different expressions of, of worship yeah. and, and trying to trying to like appreciate and value each one, you know. It is refreshing. It's so 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 refreshing. <laughs> I feel like as a corporate body, we all should have like that in common. Like mm-hmm. if Christ is to us who we say He is by word, doctrine, or experience, like we should all have worship in common, no matter what the denomination is. Yeah. We should all should unify, right? That God is awesome, and we should celebrate Him. Yeah. Yeah, that's and oh, that's really fun that you mentioned that because that's exactly what Jason Hershey he says. He's like, our tent is just for worship. A lot of people were like, oh, is this a church? Like, there's no preaching or in like, it's intercessory worship, but there's no worship. There's no like praying for the mic because the way you intercede and you pray, the way you preach, it's what it's been mainly dividing the church. But worship is a common ground. Like we all, we all, we all agree that Jesus is worthy of our praise and we should sing love songs to him. We should sing how much we love him, how much he's worthy, how much he's good. Just sing the truth about him. We all agree in that. Mennonites, Orthodox, Baptists, Methodists, you name it, charismatic, non-denominations. We all agree (laughs) that Jesus is awesome and singing to him is cool. So basically it's the common ground. And just like you said, like it is, it is the body of Christ, common ground that we should vertically worship in. Being there since August, I'm, I'm sure you do have a lot of stories. Um, did you want to share like a couple, whether you've seen like walls broken down between de- denominations or um, even like people that don't believe in God having conversations? I guess if you want to take one of those angles or if you want to share a couple stories from both. So the coolest one, which... It's like, it's, I'm going to tell my grandchildren that, like, for real. It was the winter already. My shift is from 3 a.m. to 11 a.m. in the morning. It was 3.45 in the morning. There was this couple, young couple, just walking in the middle of the National Mall. They decided to come into our tent. 3.45 in the morning. We don't really have a lot of people coming into the tent. <laughs> we really don't. I'm not expecting... Which for me, I'm an extrovert and I love talking to people. And, and sometimes I love the night, but sometimes it's hard for me in the night because I don't encounter a lot of people. 
So when a couple came, they were all so cute. And then I was like, I started talking to them and they were like, this lady came in. She, first of all, she started crying from the, before the tent. She looked at the tent and she started crying. And then she came into the tent. She was like, are you guys still going on? Because I thought you guys were going to stop at the 8th of November. I'm like, we were, but we're not going to anymore. The Lord told us to keep going until, until he wants. And then she cried again. She started weeping. It's like, I've heard about you guys so for so long and I couldn't come. And I came in the hopes I was going to see you guys. And it just breaks my heart. It just makes me so happy that you guys are still here. You're worshiping Jesus here. And she started weeping. I didn't say anything. She just saw the tent. And I was like, uh, yes, they're still here. And that just like impacted me so much. I was like, wow. Because a lot of times like doing day in, day out, like eight hours a day at the tent, you know, you get tired. <laughs> Um, you get really tired. Um, you know, like you press in to keep worshiping, to keep interceding, to keep praying, to keep engaged. But a lot of times in that little tent, you know, just you just lose sight of the big picture. That really impacted my heart. And then they came in, they started, they sat and they started worshiping. We we started talking a little bit, and then another couple came in. I went to greet them. They're from Saudi Arabia. And they were walking, again, that's 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> They're just cruising around the National Mall. They're from Saudi Arabia, and the dude is doing his Ph.D. in biomedicine. And so he's he's legit, intelligent. Yeah. He's doing a Ph.D. in medical studies. He had his wife, and uh, they were like, what is this? And then I explained to them what it was. And in the meantime, the other couple's like, hey, can I have a word with you? I'm like, okay. I explained to them a little bit of what it was, and they were like, oh, yeah. We just heard about Jesus like recently and we want to know more about him. And I'm like, like just like just for the just, first time, just just like that. Like I'm like, and I was like, oh, oh. And then the other couple called me and I was like, oh, give me a second. And then I went to the other couple and then they, they just started releasing like words of encouragement over me and they prayed for me, the first couple. And it just, just filled me up with so much faith. And then I went back to the Saudi Arabian couple. They turned out in the meantime, I was with the other couple. They were praying for me. They saw on our welcome table, we have, like, free Bibles. They It doesn't say free, but there are free Bibles. But we have it in yeah. Spanish, English, and we had one Arabic Bible. Just one. Wow. They saw it. <laughs> they took it. They started reading it while I'm talking to the other couple. Then I come back to them. They read five chapters of Genesis, like, while I'm away. And I came back, and he's just like, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I was, like, talking to this other couple, and I wanted to keep talking to you. And they were like, Yeah. This, can I buy this? And I'm like, no, you don't need to buy. It's for free. It's yours. He's like, it's my language. And he's like, he's like, I just heard about these things, and now I'm reading, and this is logical. This makes sense. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't think I ever heard that from a Christian, even from a Christian. Oh, this is logical. <laughs> The five first chapters of Genesis is logical. Yeah, and it says, yeah. These are the words he used. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I can't believe I'm there. This is this is surreal. Just to see the eagerness in his eyes. Like, it's that kind of story that you hear from other people. But when you live it yourself, I'm like, what? I'm in the middle of the capital of America. I am a Brazilian talking to a Saudi Arabian couple that was, that says the creation makes sense. And it's obvious. And, you know, and not only that, but he's like, he starts asking me questions. About, okay, so what does this God that created the world that has anything to do with Jesus? And I'm like, oh. That's the best that's, part. I was like, I, I had to stop for a second. I was like, oh my goodness, I'll get to explain to him the gospel. Cool. And yeah. I was like. And he's, and he's asking for he, it. He's right. You know, like, for it. like very willingly. And, like, yeah. and then I start explaining, no, Jesus, he's the son of that God. You know, when he says here, when he says the word, does it say word that he spoke the word here in the beginning of Genesis? He's like, yeah, it says word. And I open in English to kind of help him. I'm like, this is the name of this book in English. I'm like, this is Genesis. How do you say that in Arabic? Were you like kind of comparing things? And I'm explaining. And he tells me what the name of the things are in Arabic. And I'm like, open in Matthew. And he's like, what's Matthew? I'm like, dang it. I'm like, how do I open this? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like it's kind of right here. And, um, and it's Arabic. I cannot read Arabic. We, oh, I'm like, do you see here? It's It talks about um, talks about the word. So this word right here that was spoken in creation, 
That was Jesus. He was the word. He was right there. And then he was born. He became flesh. He's the son of this God. And then he didn't sin. So he paid for us. And Zara just started like explaining. And he's like, uh-huh. And he's like, but okay, so he if he paid for our sins, can we start sinning then? And then can we still sin if he already paid for it? I'm like, you know what? You don't want to. He's like, why? I'm like, because you want the love of the father and the loving things he has for you. That's kind of what it is. It's not really a rule. It's just his love is so attractive. You want what he has for you. And he's so good. He put it in the book so you can know what he wants for you and how much he loves you and how much is better. <laughs> and um, he's mm. like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. You just When he comes into your heart, you just don't want to sin anymore. You just really don't. You, you feel bad when you sin. I tell you, you feel bad. He's like, why? I'm like, because there's the Holy Spirit. Because he, he lets you know what are the loving things that God has for you and the love and the things that are not the loving things he has for you. And he's like, whoa. And, you know, like I'm trying to explain. And he's like, I have so many questions, but I guess I need to read more. And then I'll come back to you to ask more questions. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. <laughs> and then he's like, can I have an English? Bible too. I'm like, have a Spanish one as well. You can just go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and I sent him them out with two Bibles, three Bibles, because he's like, I want to give one to my friend. Can I have another English one? I'm like, yes, <laughs> just go ahead. Oh, at that moment, I just was thankful for something I took for granted at the tent, which is the, the yeah, the the free Bibles we have. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, yeah, nobody wants free Bible. Everybody has Bibles in America, you know what I mean? But um. No, it's not true. Not everybody has Bibles in America. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just like was so thankful we had Bibles to give away. I was just so blown away that I, I again, I'm a Brazilian in America, preaching the gospel <laughs> to Saudi Arabian couple in, D- in, in DC, DC like, like in the middle yeah. of the National Mall at three forty-five in the morning. What just happened <laughs> here? Like, what is my life? What is my life? What is life even? I don't even know. And um, so that was just like one of the biggest ones for me. It was worth it. Like all those hours that I'm there not doing much. Sometimes I'm worshiping the Lord, just pressing in. I'm like, I'm not even feeling like worshiping the Lord right now. I'm tired. And I started praying in the Lord. And uh, that's when breakthrough happens. That's so awesome. And she and the lady, she was um, she was pregnant. The husband was like the, the one talking the most. I believe it's because of the culture um, they're in. Especially because it seems like he wanted to to kind of transition from the culture he was from, and even from my standpoint, he really seemed to me he wanted to migrate from his religion. But his his wife was a very she she seemed very very curious, but she was very quiet. She wouldn't say anything. Um, very sub, kind of submissive. Um, and then she was pregnant. I was like, oh, can I pray for your baby? And he was so funny because like that's a, such a normal thing for Christians to do, right? And it's you know you wouldn't think that that's foreign but she was like she opened her eyes was like no and at that second I understood I'm like I can't expect her to trust a god she doesn't know yeah so I just can't and I was like oh I'm sorry and I reframed and I was like I'm sorry I didn't you know mean to like be invasive or anything we, we, we just take it for granted you know like oh so let me just pay for your for your belly you know for your baby um and then she was like no and then the husband was like, oh, I don't understand why she's not okay with that. She was all, all cool about it. Like, oh, I wanted to pray. And then, which was weird for me that he understood it so well, but I understood her. Like, at that moment, I had a compassionate moment. It was like, oh, I understand you. I wouldn't let, like, a, some random person just, like, pray over my baby saying that their God is a good God, you know? Like, I, mm-hmm. I can't trust the God I don't know. That moment, I was like, okay, God, I pray that she will know you. She will, she will start knowing you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Rebecca, um, you mentioned several times being a Br- Brazilian, being yeah. in America, being in D.C. Yeah. How, how the heck did you end up uh, coming to America in the first place? Like, what landed oh, you here? I grew up in a pretty much a Christ- Christian home. I had encounters with the Lord when I was, like, really, really young. I remember when I was six years old when I first had, like, an encounter that really, like, I, I cried I remember I was dancing for our church dance group and I was the youngest. I was like the mascot, you know, they'd be like, look at her little Rebecca dancing. Um, let her just do her thing. You know, they would put the same costume on me and I would just dance, whatever. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> So I remember after a perform, like one of our 
um, performance or whatever, like one of the times we danced, when we were done, we held hands to like just thank people. And um, when I was holding hands and I was looking around me, it wasn't an evangelistic uh, kind of thing. We were dancing for people that were not at the church. We did it. It was like, it took a lot of practice. I practiced. I was six years old, but I was practicing. I was like, I practiced, you know, I was trying to do like everybody was doing. And I felt, I felt the pain, the physical pain of practicing twice a week. And um, I was also a gymnastics, so that, that as well. And I remember I was like, wow, we, we worked so much to just present a dance to these people. And I was like, no, we worked so much to present what this song was saying. And the song was saying, the last song was saying, it says that his hand will guide me. His hand will always guide me. It was something like that. And I love that song. It's in Portuguese. And I started weeping. I was like, they need to know how much God loves them and want to guide them. And, and that's why we did this. And my first thought was like, my dad, my dad is, a, he, how do you say, call it backslide, whatever. Um, I was like, I need to tell my dad. I need to tell my dad. I went running from the stage, running like nobody's business to find my dad in the middle of the crowd. And I jumped into his arms. I was crying. I was like, dad, Jesus loves you so much. You know, uh, that was my first moment. I know it was the Lord overwhelming me with his love. I accepted Jesus in my heart, like officially, okay, Jesus, I want this for the rest of my life. When I was, six, when I was 13 years old at a camp and um, which there was no pastors, there was no preaching. It was just me and a bunch of teenagers that, that we literally were doing nothing. We were staring at the stars and we we're like, you know what? We should pray. And I was like, right, we should pray. And, uh, <laughs> I was like, why do they want to pray? We were 13, 14, 15 year old. Why we should we pray? We started praying and the spirit of God just fell in the middle of those bunch of teenagers and I fell on the ground and I was like, I want Jesus for the rest of my life. And I was, I was in and out during teenage years. I was in and out. I had an encounter with the Lord. I knew him, but I was like in and out. And then when I was 19 years old, about to turn 20, I was, I had a turning point in my life where I was like going, falling, going really astray from, from walking with the Lord. I was far away from it. And I saw myself where I was in my life and I was like, I don't want to be this person. I miss Jesus. That, that was, I was like, I miss Jesus, but I don't know how to seek him. And I don't know how to find him. I, I feel like a, I crippled. I was like, Jesus, I feel like I can't walk. I feel like I've had two of my legs cut and I can't walk. I need you to carry me. The story in the Bible about Mephibosheth, um, he's like the first in the line of Jonathan and Saul that David was looking for the first immediate um, re relative to Jonathan and Saul when they died in battle and he took over to the kingdom. He was looking for the first because he, was, he made a covenant with Jonathan that he would take care of Jonathan's family as he would take care of his own. So he was looking for the first one. And Mephibosheth is this literally crippled dude. He was lame of both his legs. And David heard about him. He was like in a land called the land of the forgotten, Lodabar. And then he'd sent his, his servant to go pick him up. So his servant carried him, put him in camels, told him, dude, he was hiding from David because he thought David was going to kill him because he was in the heir. He mm -hmm. was a heir of Saul uh, and Jonathan. Like David was like, no, I want to find you because I want to give you all that it's yours by right because you're my family now. And I want you to eat with me in my table for the rest of your days. And so he was invited to sit at the king's table for the rest of his life. So that was the story that resonated with me at that point. I was like, Jesus, I wanna, I'm like Mephibosheth right now. I am hiding from you and I'm ashamed. And I am crippled. I can't walk towards your table right now. I need somebody to carry me. So like the Lord used a lot of people, a lot of things, miracles happen. And I did a school with Youth with a Mission in Norway. Um, I quit everything. When the Lord gave me the dream, just the spark of a dream to actually travel, because I was like really depressed at that point. So I had no dreams. I had no hopes. I was literally just down pit, like just really, really depressed. Um, and... I was just not on meds, but I was depressed. And um, the Lord gave me the spark of a dream. That little spark of a dream was like, you know what? God, if you're really God, give me that dream, which was traveling um, and knowing him more. So long story short, I went. I did a school with YLAM in Norway for six months. And I traveled to Kenya and England in the middle of that. We re restarted. We reignited our relationship. 
And after those six months, the, the, devoting my life to, to break down the lies inside of me and know who he really was, who he really is, and know who I really am in him, I was like, I, I, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back at all to that person at all. I want to keep going forward. Jesus, Jesus, I just want you to let me go back. I was like anxiously afraid of falling back into that depression. I was like, Jesus, no, no, no. And he just called my heart down and he took me into this journey of trusting him. I went back to Brazil and I wanted to stay in Norway. Obviously, you don't want to get off the mountain. You want to stay in the mountain, right? <laughs> You're like, this is my mountaintop. I'm going to put a tent right here and I want to keep the presence of the Lord with me, you know? And the, and Jesus like, my presence was not made to put it in a tent and for you to just like keep it for yourself. You got to go down. And I'm like, but I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm so, so broken. You know, the one revelation like, I, I, I still resonates to me. The one, If I could put my school, my discipleship training school while I'm in Norway, in one word, that the Lord told me was beautiful. That the one thing he told me every day, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. And it was the one thing I needed to hear every day. Like it was the one lie that I was believing my entire life is that I was not. And um, I was like, God, the only part I got down is that I'm beautiful. I need to know more. <laughs> and uh, he was like, no, you need to go back to Brazil. So I went back to Brazil in pure obedience to the Lord. I did not want to go back to Brazil. And I went and then I... Um, I was like, hey, Lord, what am I going to do now? Because I feel like this is going to be the rest of my life. I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. This is what I want to do. And since I was little, I knew in my heart that that's what I was going to do, full-time ministry. I just knew it. I just knew it. I just knew it. And then when I started with the school, the school just started the little taste of full-time ministry. I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then, and then I went back to Brazil. I was like, okay, how do I do this? Like, how, how, how do I do full-time ministry? And then... I waited for a couple of months. I fasted and I prayed. I was like, Jesus, just show me. Show me what I'm supposed to do. Show me. And he was like, Rebecca, I told you to be in Brazil, didn't I? I was like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Brazil. I'm in Brazil. He's like, are you being in Brazil? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, because you're so anxious about the next thing, the next travel, the next mission, that you're not really being right there. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I want you to be there. And so when I started walking in that conviction, uh, I met this ministry. I, I was just going to this worship night every night, every Monday night that I thought was cool worship. Basically, that was it. I thought, well, these people are cool. And they're American. So I was like, cool, I can practice my English, you know, because we don't speak English in Brazil. And I learned English in Brazil. And so I don't have a lot of people to practice with yeah so because they were american and they did their um worship in english like okay cool i can practice my english and i like their worship i like the preaching cool every sunday every monday night and then turned out that that monday night worship was not just a monday night worship it was a mission space and they were a ministry and i was like oh and they were cool called shores of grace and and then they needed translators they needed translators and that's how I started my long story short. That's I worked with them that the day they came to me, they literally came to the crowd, to an entire crowd of people. They were like, does anybody here speak in English? They said it in English. And I was like, I do. <laughs> and then they were like, can you translate? I'm like, uh, uh yes. <laughs> and they were like, can you, can you translate? I'm like, yes. Can you translate inner healing sessions? I'm like, I don't even know what inner healing is, but okay, yes. <laughs> and they were like, okay, so we need you every day this week, the entire day. Are you available? And I was like, I'm not doing anything with my life. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so I did it for a week. And after a week, I was just so, the Lord just gave me so much purpose. I was like, yes, I was born for this. And initially I thought I was born for connecting people through translation. But that was just the very beginning of what the Lord had for me. And I started my time in that ministry as a translator. And as time progressed, I became a full-time missionary, a staff. And by the end of my time there, I had been the coordinator for all volunteers in that, wow. in that, in that ministry. So I, I was the official translator, the official coordinator for all volunteers. I was the head of the hospitality de department. <laughs> and yada, yada, yada. I did so much there. Um, and I worked there for a year and a half. And it's a ministry that the focus 
is to rescue women in prostitution um, in my city, in my hometown. So the Lord basically took me to a journey of falling in love with where I'm from, my identity. He started telling me I was beautiful. And then he was like, okay, I want you to really know why you're a beautiful person. Like, because this is where you're from. This is the, this is the ugliness and the beauty of where you're from. This is your people. This is your roots. Fall in love with your country. Fall in love with your city. You know, serve, you know, start with Jerusalem. Start with where you are um, before you, you do anything outside. So I was so rooted and grounded in my city. So in love with the, with the bad and the good of my city, you know, like, cause I was working in the darkest, darkest corners of my city. Uh, our ministry is to, was to reach them out. So in Brazil, we don't have brothels. They're in the streets, like okay. everywhere. And in certain, well, not everywhere. We're certain areas, they're in the streets. So it's easier in a way, but a lot more dangerous um, to reach them out. So we go to them, to the places where they are, to the corners of the streets they are, and we build relationships with them. And we have a whole structure and a whole program and a whole um, spiritual um, foundation and base and intercessory um, network um, and structure, physical structure to actually disciple them um, and outside the prostitution, the the work and the mentality and the spiritual um, um, bondage. Um, so we have that for women in prostitution and we have a safe house for girls, underage girls. They're uh, in which is, would be like foster care in America, but we don't have foster care in America, so in Brazil. So basically, children that are in abusive homes, they're sent to safe house, mm-hmm. safe houses. So we have a safe house just for girls where we literally bombard them with identity and love from the father, all that they didn't have growing up. Girls that were that been violently, severely abused their entire existence, even when they were just four years old. Um we inject like identity and love for the women in prostitution. We do a banquet every month for them. So it's a beautiful, luxurious, like extravagant banquet every month to bring those women in prostitution that we build relationship with. We invite them out of relationship and they come to this place where we just have this beautiful table this with presents and stuff and worship going on. And we just shower them with love. Um, and we believe that the love of the father is what's going to woo them into wanting that. And we have practical ways to like help them get out. So like we have contact with job agency and job agencies. Um, We help them hook them up with um, um, like training, um, professional training and stuff as they are willing. And as they want to take the steps. How did that lead to like coming to the States? Well, my leaders are American, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And because of that, and because, they, they always needed translators. Why? Because they had volunteers coming from America all the time. So my, me working with, in my city, not even leaving my very city, barely leaving my own neighborhood. I had, I got to host and be uh, a coordinator for volunteers, visitors and be a host, a hostess of people from all over the world. Like the Lord literally brought the nations to me um, for me to serve them, for me to to guide them in my city for me to actually introduce my country to them. And that naturally created networking. Um, So I just built an entire network of like people in America, literally everywhere in America without even wanting, like it was not my intention. It's not like, Oh, I'm trying to build a network. Basically I just met so many people that touched my heart, people that literally adopted me in the spirit. So like spiritual mothers and fathers. Um, And then and the end of 2015, the Lord just impressed in my heart so strongly. He was like, I was like, Lord, I was like with these ladies from from here. They're, one of them from Jersey. I was talking to her. She was just so wise. She's not even that. She's like 40 something, but she's just so wise. And I was like, God, I want to learn. I want to learn more about what she knows. I was like, Lord, I want to know more. And the Lord was like, why don't you go after her? I was like. What are you talking about? She lives in America. He's like, I want you to go seek that. Go after it. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, I want you to go to America. Go after her. I'm like, just her? He's like, no. And he started giving me names. Like he gave me three names of three people that live in completely different places in America. Like literally from coast to coast. I'm like, how this is going to happen? And he just impressed me my heart so strongly. So strongly. He's like, Go after it. I want you to go and see at their feet and learn. And I'm like, it, it, 
basically that's how it happened. And so long story short, like, the Lord just impressed that in my heart. He provided in crazy ways without me doing fundraising. I never did a fundraising in my life. Uh, I didn't have a visa. I didn't have a ticket. People paid for my visa. A weird person, uh, um, not a weird, a strange, a stranger paid for my um, tickets. Um, uh, other people paid for my tickets within America because I literally traveled from Delaware to Jersey to New York to California, and then back to Jersey, back to Delaware, then to Pennsylvania, then to Florida. Then I went to Norway, and I, and then I came to DC. Wow! All in, in a period of four months. So. Whoa. Yeah, without fundraising, with no program, with no team, with no ministry backing me up. I mean, my ministry sent me with love, but they didn't they didn't really I was not with Shores of Grace or with YOM or with anything. I was on my own with Jesus. And um so basically yeah, that was it. That was it. The Lord wanted me to come to America to seat it at people's feet and learn. That's what I did for four months. And then he specifically told me to come to Davidson in August. And I had no idea why. He was like, Go to Davidson in August. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> and then I came and then a lot of things happened <laughs> and I'm still here. I just think it's really interesting. Just like you're at the beginning of your story, like when you're in Norway, God really impressing you on your heart. Like, I don't want you to just like pitch a tent here and stay. And now you're at a ministry that is at a tent. Um, <laughs> you, you know, it's just, it's just, it just made me laugh when I thought about that. It's, it's almost like an ironic thing, but at the same time, I think cool just that like you're, He's like grown you a lot so that I think the tent, the, the yeah. literal tent that, that yeah. you work out of is not like a, a thing that um, that you see as like, all right, I'm going to stay here and like that's the only place for me. It's more so like serving a different different function than yeah. maybe early on in your walk. But. Definitely. It's funny that you said that because like, yeah, I never like I never connected those two. I wanted to like build my tent in Norway and just not leave the glory. Yeah. And now the tent is actually outside. David's tent is so outside of my comfort zone. It's so outside of my comfort zone. Like, again, I'm not a worship leader. <laughs> I am not any of that. <laughs> and I came to David's tent. I started learning piano. Now I do play piano. I started learning guitar. And now I play guitar. Um, but that was not what I did. I am a communicator. I'm a connector. I am a discipler. I'm a mentor. Um, I love people. And the tent doesn't really enable me to be with people all the time. <laughs> yeah, It's literally just me and the Lord. And it's just like the Lord is just really, really um, refining me in, in that. Um, which, again, I'm not complaining. I love it. Love it. Love it to death. The Lord is just like impressing a passion inside of my heart for that kind of stuff. But definitely it's the Lord is just showing me that the tent is not always a comfort place. <laughs> like a comfortable place. Um, it's his presence can actually be painful because mm. it's refining us. It's hurting. So our prayer, our community, we pray. This is the prayer we pray. It's really, really cool. It's going to change your life. It's father, fill us anew with your agape love. Heal the deepest parts of who we are with who you are. Cleanse us of anything that takes us out of your house. Reveal to us all that you have available and grant us the faith to receive it. In Jesus name, amen. This is what we pray, and like each each line of that prayer is like, bam. Yeah. So like, when you say, heal the deepest parts of who we are with who you are, that's a dangerous prayer. And we've been praying it for a total of sixty one days, um, every day, and the Lord does that. And in the presence of the Lord, in that tent where the presence of the Lord is like always being enthroned and being ushered in and being invited you know like he refines things and it hurts mm -hmm. and it's not comfortable so it's like do you really want to build a tent for the presence of the lord for you to not leave it be sure what you're asking for <laughs> <laughs> i guess yeah. for you like which ways has that i guess that process kind of um how's, how's that taking place in your life as far as ways it's been uncomfortable you like all the joy that you've seen in all the things that God's done through, like, clearly, like, four months of your life. Yeah. You clearly have done more living in four months than most people have done probably four years. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, like, <laughs> in what ways have, I guess, that has been challenging for you in growing? Again, it's all of, a lot of it was identity uh, issues. Just like, well, I'm not a worship leader. Oh, I'm not, 
this. Oh, I'm not that, you know, like, oh, I'm not here in America. Oh, that was a big one. Like, I'm not here in America as a missionary. I'm just here to learn, you know, like, I was just like this, this little me mentality, you know, because I was like, well, I'm a Brazilian. Like, Americans don't need a Brazilian missionary. Like, I'm not a missionary. Because honestly, honestly, in those four months that I did so many traveling, I was like literally every two weeks traveling, maybe sometimes three weeks, but like three to three, two to three weeks from place to another. I was having a blast. I was having fun. This is a first world country. We don't have a lot of things you guys have. You know, like, I, it was so much fun. I'm like, I'm not a missionary here. I'm having fun, you know? And the Lord really convicted me um, of that. That was like, a huge one. Like, you know, it doesn't seem a huge thing, but he's like, I can't really show you more of your identity and who I am if you keep putting yourself in this little box, you know? Um, of like, oh, I'm just not a missionary here. I'm just here to learn, you know? I'm not really feeding the poor here, which is what I did back in Brazil. Like, I was doing hardcore ministry like in the streets with the homeless, with the with with the poor in the streets and the women in prostitution and the girls, you know, that was like hardcore uh, mercy ministry. But like, this is not hardcore mercy ministry. <laughs> this is comfortable, you know. And the Lord just convicted me of that. He's like, you are a missionary because you're carrying something they don't have, and that's not always going to look like what people expect. So that really, really humbled me as, as much, as funny as it sounds, it, that just, yeah, like, it, like, it's funny because your podcast is about like destroying the concept of, uh, what God is the false concept of God, who God is. And that, so that happened inside of me that God is just a God that's expecting us to be working and working so that we can be called missionaries of his kingdom. And he's like, no, I created you to enjoy me and actually show people how to enjoy me. And a lot of times that's your mission to show the people how to enjoy me and enjoy life, you know, and it's not a lot all about work. It's it, a lot of part, a big part of it is, but it's not all about it because I had places that I literally felt so fulfilled in my purpose because I went to the beach with a mother and I was watching her toddler and she went to take him to bathe in the sea and came back. I was like, wow, this is fun. This is a summer day. I'm having a blast. But I just felt this like fulfillment in my heart. The Lord is like, this was your assignment for today, to just watch this little toddler while this mother has have time to go take a bath, like bathe herself in the in the sink. So like, it's every little thing. Um, the Lord just convicted me of that. That was a big one. And then another big one, which is really recent, um, and that one just unveiled a lot of things like about who I am, not only in my title and service as a missionary. But who is Rebecca and what is Rebecca bringing to the table? What, what am I bringing to the world um, and why am I important? It's because I have him and yada, yada, like things like that. It was just really deep work for the Lord. A lot of inner healing, like a lot of forgiveness. I had to like forgive a lot of people <laughs> and for speaking false identity over me. And the second thing that is really, really big, which is recent, it's about uh the power of words um like and how the lord just broke me down to pieces and still is because he convicted me strongly about the power of my words and how how my i've been complaining and how i've been partnering with negativity so much and he's like he's just like breaking me down with like that <laughs> so like heal the deepest parts of who I am. Like there's some deep parts of me that is just like complaining all the time and it's angry and it's offended all the time. Like, Oh, that person didn't recognize what I did. I'm like, I'm giving eight hours of my day to this tent. And then they expect me to do this and this and that. Oh my gosh. Like this little thing, you know, the Lord is just like uprooting so much of that inside of me. So much of that. He, not because he expects me to be a robot of positivity, but because he does have a portion and an inheritance that takes the place of these things that are rooted in my heart and it's not supposed to be there. So my portion is joy. My portion is, is uh, contentment. My, my portion is freedom. You know, my portion is his love. And he's like, I can't put that in here. It's physics. Two things don't take, <laughs> don't occupy the same space. 
So he's like uprooting a lot of it inside of me. It's like insane. Like how I'm feeling my heart being pierced every time I think like, every time I feel entitled to something and I start complaining and like, I, I would have done this differently because this is not good. You know, the Lord is just like, nope, <laughs> stop it, stop it, just stop it. Be grateful. And then instead of I'm like, oh, I'm so thankful that person it's doing something about it. They're, I'm so thankful that they, they are in leadership. I'm thankful for who they are. I'm really thankful I'm here to start with. You know, I'm thankful I'm breathing. <laughs> and um, that's a huge one for me. He's literally bringing who he is to heal the deepest parts of who I am. And it's a dangerous place because it hurts. Well, the whole life, it just goes together with identity. Um, speaking negativity over myself a lot of times, like, oh, I'm not, I don't know how to play. I don't know how to sing. Uh, I'm, a, I'm not a good leader. The Lord is just like, no, you're telling me, you're, you're telling, you're dictating who you are over yourself. So you're telling, you're telling me that you're your God, not me, because you're telling yourself who you are and not letting me tell who you are. Yeah. So then you're, therefore you're your God. So God is just like breaking me <laughs> real hard. And I'm like, stop it. He's like, do you want me to stop? I'm like, no, keep going. <laughs> and it just hurts. It hurts. And it, it, but it's so good. Well, dude, Rebecca, we'll uh, we'll start, get wrapping up. We've been talking here for quite a while. But yeah, thanks so much for sitting down and sharing with us. Like it's even, I mean, as Americans, I don't know if this is, the perception like as a Brazilian, but like I I think most of us look at DC as like a very liberal place, very much a place that like doesn't really care about what God's doing. I mean, I don't get, I don't get wrapped up into like the whole, you know, societies against us as Christians baloney. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could kind of care less uh, either way. Um, Cause like, I just want to know Jesus, but I, I don't know. It, it was just really encouraging to me to hear that something like that is happening right in the heart of DC um, and that yeah. there's something available just out in the public, not just inside the doors of a church. Um, Cause I'm sure there are plenty of good churches in, in DC, but like, yeah. you know um, something that's like right out there. If anyone wants to know more about David's tent or wants to even just stop by um like where can they go online to find out more um and where are you guys physically located again okay so um to find more about us we have our website is uh org. but i would suggest better to go and follow us on our facebook page we feed it really well i am actually part of the media team i take pictures for for our media social media platforms and um, I actually am responsible for, like, helping with that. So Facebook, it's Davidson DC. Just facebook.com slash Davidson DC. And we also have Instagram at Davidson DC. <laughs> we have Twitter at Davidson DC. And <laughs> Snapchat, Davidson DC. Physically located, we are uh, on the corner of 17th with Constitution in Washington, DC, and on the National Mall. And it's a little white tent. It looks like a little hut. It's white. It looks like a wedding tent. It's always lit. It's always has. There's always colorful color, uh, lights in it. Uh, there's always music going out of it. You won't miss it. I promise you. Like there's some tents all over the mall, like doing whatever. But our little tent, it's there's always colorful, fun lights at whatever time of the day, and is in 17 with Constitution. So everybody's welcome to come. Awesome. Thanks, Rebecca. Hopefully, we'll. Uh have a chance to meet you someday in person oh yeah um, come to dc all right sweet honestly I think it's like the coolest thing ever but yeah like to have a place like that actually in the nation's capital i think like what she said earlier i think that's the coolest thing because where a lot of people are more like concerned about passing laws and protesting than actually engaging the god of the universe in a city like that mm-hmm. filled with so much hustle and bustle to still have a place where people can just meet with jesus in a very honest way Coming from Brazil all the way, like, across the world to America, like, only Jesus could have done something like that, man. Like, and especially the way it happened, where she didn't have to pay out of pocket for anything. But, like, the father just strictly provided everything she needed in the moment. And it was just her, like, trusting him step by step mm-hmm. to, like, where she is now. Like, this is just all around just a really cool testimony. Mm-hmm. Her seeing God's heart through all of it, super, super rad. 
Thanks so much for listening. Remember, if you want to enter the contest for Jody's book, go ahead and share your favorite episode so far on Facebook. In the coming weeks, we'll be interviewing Pastor Ian Simpkins and podcaster Danny Anderson from the Sectarian Review Podcast. We were also guests on his show, and we'll be bringing you details very soon about how you can listen to that. Thank you so much for your time, and until next time.